0: Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shock the system. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Surplex, Retweet.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this latest edition of ESSR Feature here on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Network. I am your host this week, Stephen Wilson, and this is the debut edition of one of our new feature shows. This is the Wrestling Mixtape. This is a show that we'll be running on a regular basis where all of our panellists will be involved in the show. We'll pick a match for the other panellists to watch. And we'll discuss those matches on this show on every edition of the Wrestling Mixtape. Some matches may be good, some matches may be less good, as you'll hear as we discuss these first four matches on this debut edition of this show. I am joined for this particular show firstly by the man who has been described by many as the most reliable of his brotherly duo. But that's like saying... Who's going to be the better Prime Minister between Liz Trust and Richie Sunak? They're both pretty shit. Scott McLeod, everyone.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I often call Ross the Liz Trust of our family. I believe I wrote in his last birthday card. <laughs> but uh, yes, yes, thank you for that glorious introduction, Stephen.
1: Not a problem, not a problem. Uh, we're also joined by a man who just a few days ago compared the Undisputed Era to Randy Savage it is of course <laughs> David Hopney
2: oh listen don't get me to repeat that line because I mean it was straight off the cuff and um, but to be fair I mean the context it was used in it it did kind of prove my point but it's a little bit of an inside joke for those that don't know what I'm on about
1: I it's not going to be an inside joke anymore cause I need to tell Scott about it and to
0: listen get it. it tell get it
1: tell potentially Dave was wearing his undisputed never t-shirt uh, as we went down to Bristol to uh, then then go to Cardiff for Clash uh, last week to which I joked to him, Dave, Undisputed Era is dead, his reply so is Randy Savage, but people still talk about him
0: for fuck's sake Dave (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ they're dead in different fucking ways man yeah, that's, that's mean, that was my reply. It's but like, there was plenty of there. We saw a guy
2: dressed in full-blown Randy Savage hat, coat, streamers, the lot. Like, if that doesn't prove my point, I mean, there
1: was no one dressed as Adam
2: Fucking Cole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then again, it was. Uh, I de- I never said I compared Undisputed Era to Randy Savage. It was more just. Uh, it was a point of merch, essentially. That was all.
1: Yeah, uh, we, were, we usually would have a fourth member of this particular uh, squad. Uh, Chicago's favourite, well, he's our favourite from Chicago. He'd probably be many people's favourite from Chicago after the events <laughs> of the weekend. There's <laughs> uh, Chris Anthony Lopez, but unfortunately he was unable to make it short notice. But he will be here for future editions of Wrestling Mixtape alongside myself, Scott, and Dave. We will stop be talking about his match, so as I say, we've got four matches that we'll be discussing. Our panellists have all watched it uh, at various points since we all picked them out. Uh, I think, guys, probably, we should start with Chris's match, the one that he picked out. Uh, it is one that we've talked about at various points in past podcasts. It's the um, triple threat match from Unbreakable 2005 at TNA. You'll all know it just from that description, surely. It is... AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe versus then X-Division champion Christopher Daniels for said championship. Uh, Scott, I will go to you. You're probably the high man on this podcast of uh, TNA. I think you're one of the very few people I know that actually still watches TNA on a regular basis. But a lot of people started watching TNA when this particular match was happening.
0: Yeah. I think that you said uh, Stephen when you just say the words Unbreakable like 2005 everybody thinks this match I'm not entirely sure of the entire card I'm sure there was some good stuff on that show they had a solid roster at that time but unfortunately the rest of the ro- rest of the card has just been completely overshadowed by how spectacular this match is
1: well, Dave will be pleased Roddy Strong was in the match you know so <laughs> oh you know Randy Savage wasn't but Roddy Strong was there we go
2: Oh, yeah yeah this is just going to be the new running joke isn't it uh, you know any mention of Undisputed Era is going to get a Randy Savage
0: comparison against it let him go baby <laughs> well I can't your match then Dave if that's the case <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah that's true that's true uh, so Scott, I don't know for definitely you've watched this
2: match before,
1: Dave. I don't know if, if you ever seen this one before. We watched
2: me, you, yeah, before, yeah, I yeah, Watched come. a couple of times actually. It was, um, it's actually, I think, probably the main highlight of not just TNA as a whole, but the the X division, and because that was, I think, when we watched it back, it was this. It's matches like this that made the X division the the crown jewel in TNA's roster, effectively.
1: Yeah, the X-Division at this point was very, very hot. I mean, I've actually just looked at the card that went uh, went through that night. There was also Chris Saban versus Pete Williams, Austin Aries versus Roderick Strong, as I kind of mentioned there. They were kind of two examples of the undercard of the X-Division. So when you've got three X-Division matches, it shows how good this was, but you've got three guys here who were arguably, it's arguable, you know, people will argue about it. They probably will argue a I minute mean, about bit. But it's got three guys at the peak, I think it's fair to say.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I know like it's been commented about particularly Joe and, and AJ on this, uh, on this show before, you know, especially when they're feeding and, and WAB and going through those runs. That You know, as those guys go older, while they're still incredibly talented, you can tell that they would slowed down maybe their offence a little bit from here because there are spots you forgot that they even did in the past when you see these uh when you watch this match back. Like AJ's one of the spots that always stands in mind whenever I think of this match is the spot AJ does with like the springboard shooting star press to the outside. Mm. You don't see Muslim doing spots like that and probably for, for good reason, but it just goes to show that, you know, even when these guys have like slowed down, they're still like through the absolute best in any promotion.
1: Dude. Definite standout spots with both kind of came up in that kind of area of the camera, where the camera was. There was the one AJ did, as you mentioned, the shoot star, and the one where Samoa Joe literally plows through the bloomin' ropes at a million miles an hour. Yeah, they- and that size, right I- through the ropes at that pace must be like, oh shit.
2: <laughs> I mean Joe's had a very underrated performance here because you know as much as we can talk about AJ and Daniel's you know doing flippy shit to the cows come home you you almost forget or almost don't appreciate like how big a star Samoa Joe was in TNA as well like the guy went undefeated for god knows how long he was a submission machine you know like way after, you know, Kurt Angle was dubbed as the wrestling machine at the end of his first uh, WWE run. But, you know, Joe, you know, for a man his size, he's got incredible cardio and speed. You know, he's pulling off Enzugurri's, as he said, he did the the charge over the top rope. And he's 20 stone for crying out loud. I mean, I only know a handful of people that size and they could barely, you know, jump off the ground, let alone run. So that's, that really says something.
1: I wouldn't really say he was underrated. I mean, especially at this particular time period. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the 2000s in wrestling, you know, there's only, it's not very well known for the kind of high-octave wrestling we're kind of more accustomed to on a regular basis. There was only seven matches that got five stars from The Observer between the year 2000 and 2009. Joe was in three of them, including this one. DNA's mm-hmm. only five-star match. And will probably remain DNA's only five star match.
0: I mean, I might get it wrong.
1: Something might prove me wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's bizarre that, you know, the this match is the only one to get five star. We consider the talent that it did come through, like when you had Angle, I mean, arguably some of the best matches you ever had through there. And you got somebody like RVD, Jeff Hardy, you got the, the really talented roster that they've got today, and yet still, like, that probably remains the only five-star match, and also like a big compliment to this match is that these guys did this like triple threat match three more times, in the remained years they would fall. One of them for the world title, but it's all only ever the really the first one that everyone talks about.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I re- I kind of remember at this point in time it was kind of Daniel said he was he was acknowledged obviously at this point as the longest uh, reigning ex-division champion of all time. I- I would assume I'm not quite remember i assume that's probably not the case anymore but no but definitely a big deal at that point and I always remember after this that he then Joe nearly enough killed him in the next pay-per-view in like a big eight-man tag but like, the bottom destroy them I always remember that and then you know, he did the turn to become a good guy and then kind of like teaming with A. G. so it's a thing that it's all these guys kind of Careers were kind of intertwined for such a long time, mostly based off of this match. I mean, most of the time you would kind of, I mean, Daniels in particular. Now, uh, I would say Daniels is probably the one that guys a lot is appreciated instead of Joe Dave.
2: Mm. Yeah, I suppose so because AJ and Joe did go on to, you know, essentially effectively, you know, be the rivalry of TNA. You know, kind of like what John Cena and Randy Orton were in WWE you know it's these guys are like the full fight forever effectively and but yeah well what I was saying is I I didn't mean Joe was underrated in terms of his overall performance I think he was just um I don't think he got as as good a showing given that you know it was um I mean sure he had that big spot but all eyes for from my perspective was just AJ Styles because you know we we were accustomed to him you know sort of being Mr. TNA and then you had the outsider Daniels, who was walking in as champion with the the fallen angel persona. It, I think those is those were kind of just what really stood out for this match in particular. But I still, I still uh, associate, you know, Samoa Joe as being one of the the top three names of of TNA, and AJ obviously being the other one. Daniels, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a toss up between him. And probably, I want to say, not sure, actually, because you could argue Sting, you could argue Abyss, you could argue, you know, a couple other guys, you know, motorcycle machine guns, beer money. But no, always AJ and Joe, you know, they continued that never-ending fight forever all the way through to to WWE at one point as well.
0: You say that you didn't get as much shown as the other two. I mean, I know AJ has had some of the, like, bigger spots in this match. Like another one of my favourites is when he breaks up the cookie clip with a spiral tap off the top. But I think Joe plays a crucial role in this match and he maybe put, gets a bigger showcase in their subsequent triple threats. But I think it's the X the factor, like he's the one going into this match undefeated at this point. And you notice he doesn't take the fall so he can maintain that you know, or like not being pinned or submitted. But I think it's a case of like both of them, are both Ioners and AJ, or try and find a new way to like take him out of the match and maybe be the first to, to beat him, and as much as Joe got to impress people by being a big guy who flies over the top, and you know the commentators pick big up the fact that all oh, the X-ways it's not weight limits, it's no limits. AJ and Daniels also get a chance to showcase that even though know, they're smaller guys there, are still quite strong because they both get a big spot to lift uh, Joe on their respective shoulders, and the crowd like goes mental when, the, when those spots happen
1: It's very. Um there's not a lot of rest in this match it's a very much high octane from start to finish I mentioned that there was seven, there was only seven five-star matches from Observer between the year 2000 and the year 2009, there's actually been seven five-star matches since June <laughs> <laughs> since June, that between now and June there has been seven five-star matches, and yet there was only seven between these nine years when this match was in the middle there
2: mental
1: Dave Milks, get your fucking ratings, fucks, man. Jesus, start rating some old matches higher. Rewatch them, Dave. Rewatch old wrestling. You seem to say you love the fucking classics. Anyway, away from my rant. This match was class. <laughs> this. <laughs> this is it, is it. It is literally. I would say that this. I. We have talked about this in a lot of podcasts, so it's kind of hard to say some things that haven't been said. But this is probably the match that. I would say, personally, there's there's a a couple of things that got a lot of people quite interested in TNA before we had the likes of all these WWE guys coming in, likes of Angle who would come in later that year. I would always say it was this match and the Elix Skipper walking across the cage.
2: Oh, that's like, you know, that's Mick Foley being thrown off hell in a cell moment for TNA. That walk across the cage to the Hurricane Rana is truly something special, but if you want a match that personifies TNA, it is this triple threat match. Yeah, And it's very nearly 17 years old now.
1: Very like Skipper was on the card for this particular show. He was in a six-man tag team match, teaming up with David Young and Simon Diamond. Remember that stable? Against the (laughs) Free live crew. Only one person from that match is still probably actively wrestling.
0: One uh, of Kwaku's favourites.
1: Ah, yes. Big like, like Ron. Our truth, for those who aren't familiar. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, as, as I say, but this match has been talked about a lot in past podcasts. Is there anything else that you two guys would like to add on to this match? We've not really said. Mm.
2: The finish was quite sudden, almost. You know, it wasn't a definitive Styles Clash 450 or a Coquina Clutch. It was effectively a roll-up. But... um. I suppose it didn't really matter because it was uh, you know, you could argue there were shenanigans, it sort of further fueled the storyline, but it didn't make anybody look weak. It was just like uh it was like a moment of you know, it was just a sheer blinking you miss it moment, and you know, Daniels got caught caught at the last second, and you could just tell by his reaction he was he was fuming with it. So I think the storyline purposes, you know, it didn't have to be a definitive finish, but the pace of the match was so quick, you know, the the decision would have cropped up at any second. So I suppose it was almost a really fast-paced match finished with a very sudden finish, but sudden in a, in a good way, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think with for me, the fact that it does end up with a sudden roll is what I love most about the finish. because we said, the pace does not let up. The fans stick with it the entire way. People are going more and more apathetic as the match goes on but the fact that joe kind of takes himself out is he goes to dive it down with daniel's moves and he goes tumbling to the outside and so basically it's a case of well if we're not gonna have him win we're gonna keep him protected and not get him involved in the finish and i think it's the idea of like these guys are so talented the match could end at any point even with a move as simple as this and also showcases the idea that because aj and, and daniel's had an on-again off-again rivalry which was really just getting to, Started during this time, I think it also went to show that AJ knew Daniel so well that he's able to kind of surprise him with this move.
1: Some really, really top stuff. Some a, a, a fantastic match. It's, it's, it just, let's say, it, it flies in, and that's it's, that's what makes it great. And mm. in fact, the TNA have not been able to top it for seventeen years. I mean, come on, it's just something else, you know. It's TNA is not. It's not like exactly this is like a one-off match for TNA I mean as Scott mentioned they've had some really top quality stuff a lot of you involving Joe stuff involving you know the likes of uh, AJ Angle all these type of guys but you know, the tag division at one point as well was absolutely stacked so this match is, is an absolute classic and it is one like, that is definitely worth watching it's a hidden gem if you've never really if you see if you've never really into TNA if TNA's never pleased you if you've came into wrestling at a point where TNA's been on the downfall go back find this match and probably watch like, yeah. probably watch from this point maybe up till, you know, the end of the main event, Matthew. That's what, that's what I would say. If, you, if you're going to watch a golden era TNA, mm-hmm. don't watch before it. Especially, Scott would tell you that because it's just Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett,
0: Jeff Jarrett. Oh, oh yeah. The, I mean, Jeff Jarrett wasn't on the card of the show, which is which makes it you know a ten a ten on ten card overall, in, in my book. But I think you can argue that. A lot of hardcore fans found TNA through this match, then a lot of casuals would find it the next year when, when Angle came in.
1: Yeah, def- it definitely popped up. It was on I Challenge at this point as well in the UK, which was always quite handy. You
0: know, yeah.
1: On after rerun of Gladiators, and on just before Takeshi's Castle. Spot of Dreams. Mm, yeah. So, moving on, we'll now go on, I think, to Dave's matchup. We'll go into Dave's match.
2: Yeah, let's do that.
1: Uh, this took place in the, on the 16th of June, 2018, at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. It was WWE NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. It was the opening match of this particular show. The tag team titles were on the line. It was the Undisputed Error, of course it was, as Dave, mm-hmm. uh, who's a regular listener of the show. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong were, were the Undisputed Error at this time, accompanied by a man who will not be named <laughs> uh, to take on Danny Butch and Ori Lorkin, which I believe was their first tag team title opportunity as a team. Uh, Dave? ah uh-huh. Why did you choose this match? Stupid question.
2: Why yeah. did you choose this match? Well, I think it is glaringly obvious why I sort of chose this one, but in all seriousness, I do have a legitimate reason why why I picked this one because as a fan of NXT black and gold from back in the day, like, this was a place where you could watch genuinely good tag team wrestling at a time where WWE didn't put a lot of investment into tag teams or to an extent, even women's wrestling at the time. Uh, but, you know, Undisputed Era were running rampant at that point. You know, they had just gained a fourth member and Roddy Strong. They won the Dusty Cup that year as well. Uh, and even though with Bobby Fish was out injured, you know, they were still acting like a dominant presence with Adam Cole as North American champion. Uh, and I think this was their first major title defense on a takeover stage following WrestleMania. So Burch and Larkin went in as... As the massive underdog tag team, and in Chicago, you know, which is a very big wrestling town, they were cheering Undisputed Era like crazy. You know, it's almost as if they were the faces and Larkin and Birch were the heels. When in fact, it was the other way around. So everybody thought this was just going to be a one and done, you know, Undisputed Era clean sweep and get the get the win pretty in a pretty. Decent match, but I don't think it would have been anything to shout home about. The reason I chose this, though, is it because it massively, massively overdelivered, delivered uh, Largely because of a very, very good performance from one, Ori Larkin. So, you know, he just kept the momentum going throughout the entire duration of, I think it was like 15, 16 minutes they got. Larkin just was a machine throughout that entire match had uppercuts and dives and just screaming that intensity uh, throughout there and throughout so and it everything about this match you know it was everything from near falls submission wrestling tag team compatibility there was that brutal spot where only takes a tumble off the top rope and lands back first on the edge of the ring, which is the hardest part of the ring. And it's just watching that back; it was just painful to, to listen to. And there was a moment which sort of echoed DIY versus the revival to take over Toronto, where they were Larkin and Birch had them both, Kyle and Roddy in submission holds, and it looked like they were about to win, only for a very clever counter from Kyle to kick Birch in the face, and. Effectively end what was almost like an upset of the century in a bit. So, everything from high drama to solid tag team wrestling to uh, basically showcasing a team like Larkin and Birch, who nobody had a lot of high hopes for, they effectively over delivered on the big stage. And I think a lot of the guys respected them afterwards. So, it was, uh, yeah it just ticked all the boxes when not everyone expected a a classic here
1: i love I love how you say this match over the levels then I think you've maybe oversold it by saying that if Lorcan and but would win it would have been the upset of the century <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a no. slight over exaggeration on that particular one you know I think
2: we've See, been, that's the I've, thing though everybody went in with the expectation that undisputed Era was going to win but it made you there were certain points you know the double submission holds especially it was like what if what if they actually pull this off? Because the way they carried themselves in the match, I think they actually won a lot of people over, including myself. Uh but I was still pleased with the end result regardless.
1: Yeah. Uh, Scott, Dave mentions that uh, only Lorkin. I mean you can never uh, mess with a man who tweets in all caps. I mean that's <laughs> a
2: presence in itself.
0: Yes, a man who uh, a man who tweets in all caps is not to be trifled with. Uh yeah, you you're right. Dave, when, the, when this video came out they didn't get a massive you know, ovation you know. it's almost if the fans saw rat- Matchman Randy Savage come out they got that big a reaction oh, Jesus wet. Uh, I was going to say that this match is the most Dave match Dave could have picked but if it was going to be a little bit more Dave then it would have had Adam Cole actually wrestling in the match so loses points for that uh, uh,
2: save that for a future uh, future mixtape show
0: yeah yeah he's got to save something for next time And so looking at this, Matt, I think Larkin and Birch were picked because I think this is a transitional period for the tag division. The two of the other major hitters at the time were AOP and uh, Sanity, and they'd just been both been called up. I remember actually feeling a little bad for for Larkin and Birch at the time because they became kind of you know fan favorites in the Full Sail break. when they when that crowd you know latched on a an act, they were very very loyal to that act whereas this was a much bigger crowd, a much more indie-favoured crowd, so that's why Lock and Birch kind of got food. And I think it's the point where Larkin gets that hot tag after Birch has been isolated for so long, and he just runs wild like a, a like a skinnier, more mental Cesaro, I can describe his hot tag. And I think that's when the fans uh, really start to appreciate Lock and Birch a bit more maybe think they have a chance. And also, it's kind of sad... Also, it was a bit better sweep for them because it's the first opportunity, but one of the, the sickest spots is the the thing that you mentioned, the spot on, on the apron that Lorkin takes. I uh, mm. do believe Lorkin would be out for a while with a legit injury, I believe that's the spot that caused it.
2: Did he not um, break his orbital bone as a result at one point as well? It might have been from the kicks when he was in the submission hold.
0: I don't know, I think it was either that spot or when he does that double block versus the outside, it was something to do with the outside. I remember it being reported afterwards that that right. Hartman. I do also think it's very interesting like you said, like the fans treat it as if Lorcan and Berk to the heels, and the are the faces. Ironically, in 2020 Burch and Lorcan, along with Dunn and Pat McVeigh, would be the heels against a face undisputed error. <laughs> <So, laughs> just goes to show how weird the last few years have been.
1: I like that point you make about the kind of the kind of loyal wholesale crowds because you kind of still see that to this day uh, especially kind of with the kind of 2.0 uh, era because there's always I don't know how much he's watching NXT there's always that one corner where all the guy all the groups of fans wearing the Chase U t-shirts <laughs> never see a Chase U t-shirt anywhere Chase U never had never been on the show half the time and it's like yep the Chase U section is there you know and it's like you probably go if they went on a tour or something like that. If I see if they called Chase You Up tomorrow or tonight, you a lot of people are like, Who the feck are these guys? So that's kind of the same it's kinda of the same example of it. It's great it is great when you kinda of see the kind of guys just turn the crowd around. And that's that's when I mean we've talked a lot about Ori Larkin, but it's a brilliant spot as well for Danny Burps. You talk about a guy who kinda of paid his dues and, he kind of worked his way up, and this was kind of a good moment for him as well. But as you've mentioned, it's the first proper exhibition of Undisputed Era as a team since Bobby Fish got injured. Me and Dave when we were watching this, we were, trying to, we were sitting trying to think of when Bob and Undisputed Era would lose the titles, and it's actually they would they actually lose it like a month later to uh,
2: Mustache Mountain.
1: Right to mm-hmm. them, you know. So,
2: and then they regained it after the night at Royal Albert Hall.
0: Yeah, the match where they uh, Trent Seven frozen in the towel, or is it the other way about Taylor froze in the towel? One of the yeah, two, yeah. So I think it throws the towel in for for Trent, and I believe the you talk about how frequently a five star match I've thrown. It, I believe that was a five star match, the rematch where Undisputed won the belts back, and I think it was a big deal because like a TV match, the like TV matches didn't really in WWE ever got five stars, so. I remember everybody was talking about that
1: No oh, TV matches. Are, I hope to, uh, it's quite a controversial. It's probably quite a controversial thing to say, but I didn't think there was very, very justified five-star uh, weekly matches on NXT that I, I thought I thought a lot of weekly NXT shows were quite crap. Takeovers were always great, but a lot of like, the the weekly shows were terrible. It's just one hour of not much. <laughs>
0: well, I think the good thing about this match is that a lot of the, the best takeover matches, I think, as good as they were, the work were if you could pick out and you could kind of describe as you no know, spot fits. I know, you know, Critics Vecti could criticize certain matches and say they're a spot fits. This one I think sets us apart from this one sets itself apart from really the standard tie matches we were used to at the time and the kind of matches we were used to at a takeover because it wasn't about really fancy spots. I mean I think the fanciest spot you get is like the Lorcan's blockbuster off the, the apron. I think the, uh, most of match matches consisted of... I think the guys all got together before and went... Right, here's the plan. We're all just going to hate each other as hard as we possibly can.
2: That, that was only Larkin's style, wasn't it? You know, just... You know, just hit hard, ask questions later kind of guy. And it's, that's his persona. You know, he effectively just screams intensity. Kind of almost... Kind of like Ilya Dragunov a little bit.
1: I would love him. I would love to have kind of brought him back. And then for just for one match... Gunter just him doing them one match you know, give them six minutes on Smackdown just hitting each other
0: do you remember when he had that match during the early pandemic year of, of NXT 2020 he had that match with with Thatcher as well like you know how brutal that was
1: I you bring Thatcher back i love to see him back
0: I know he's in Noah currently I, think,
1: oh, I don't know what he's doing but he's the most beautiful ugly bastard in the world <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? He's not a good. He's not the best. Uh, he's a really grizzled man. That's an excellent oxy, use of an rod right there.
0: I mean, knowing what you know about how how you know, how much how tough the Mister Thatcher was, you wouldn't really you know, give him that moniker to his face.
1: Oh, fake no, fake no. <laughs> uh, again. Talking about the card round this match and I mean this was an opener it was round about the point where NXT put the tag team title match on on the start of all the takeovers and it worked to to a dream not a pun intended because you look at the other matches we had Ricochet versus biggest downfall of a career I've ever seen in the Velveteen Dream (laughs) Uh, followed this match um, one of the worst NXT Women's Title matches. I think it's unfortunate to say between Shayna Baszler and Nikki Cross, Ooh. Uh, Alistair Black versus another. Oh, hell! This guy, Lyle Sullivan, uh, and the second of the original Gargano Champa series, which that was decent, but was very long. So
2: yeah, it, it was the the unnecessary sequel a little bit, but. This ma- the Chicago Street Fight and this match, the tag team title match, both joint rated highest of the night, both getting four four and a half stars. And probably the
1: two matches that'll be remembered. Mm-hmm. Because you know, who's gonna say in five years time, let's go watch a Velvet Team Dreamer last Solomon match?
0: <laughs> the difference there. I think the main event the open will be remembered for the reasons we want them to steadily the dream and Sullivan matches are just matches that age because of, well, unfortunate real life things. I mean, nobody was talking about the Sullivan match for much longer after it because they botched the finish so much because he was there was so much air between his face and the black mass.
1: Yeah, it was, it was quite, it was quite bad. It a lot better, like. Uh, a couple of months later where uh, that great NXT, I, I know I say NXT TV wasn't brilliant, there was a great angle they didn't know long after this when Alistair Black came back after he got jumped mm. and he just comes in he just comes in from the parking lot going absolutely nuts, Sullivan's in the ring and he just kind of laps him before Johnny Gargano comes out of nowhere, probably the best, only good spot of last Sullivan career. I think it's fair to say, man has a five. Him and Velvet Team Dream have five star matches on the, on the note of five star matches. That's something, you know. That's a fight that happened, you know.
0: But Kurt Angle has never had a five star rated match, and <laughs> those two have. Yeah, life is not fair.
1: It's really not. It's really not. It's really not. Well, Osprey gets a five star match every six, every three days. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He wipes his arse and Meltzer gives it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> there's
1: some matches, but yeah, go back and watch old angle matches, Dave. Seriously, seriously. Oh yeah, listen, I'm not you, Meltzer.
2: Oh, All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know you watch angle matches.
2: Yeah, 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 Kurt Angle's great. I, I yeah. No, some... there's no way out 2005 match against John Cena? Very underrated.
1: Another good moment of uh, down in Cardiff, Scott, was at one point in one of the pubs. I told a bunch of guys, "Ask Dave some random facts about where matches happened, and he got most of them right. <laughs> After a few, even with a few drinks in him, he got most of them right. This
2: Therefore, was the night before. This was the night before Clash at the Castle. By the way, it was in a little, little, uh, little bar called Gassy's just outside of Cardiff.
1: So, and the you- shop next door there. <laughs>
0: So you use Dave as your own personal wrestling ring man? You're telling me, Stephen.
1: Well, I just thought he, just, he came up with something random. i think and I just went. He could tell you a main event of any pay per view, and then one of the guys, I mean, I, I they said to him, "WrestleMania 31" or something like that. And I was like, "Give him a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him a Mania." Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, any more thoughts on this particular tag match? i know man. It's like a
2: tangent, but, you know. yeah, yeah, Adam Cole should have get chucked out of ringside, you know. Kyle clearly got his foot under the bottom rope by, of his own accord.
0: He clearly didn't. Cole literally reached in and grabbed him, and then they cheeked to yell, I didn't do anything. Because he didn't do anything. <laughs> did
2: he clearly did. <laughs> I will like just winding you up. If you had Adam Cole,
1: could do a shit on Dave's lap, and it would be up, then he wouldn't
2: say <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> what? I'm not going
2: to go with a five star thing. That's you just made, thing.
1: You just made it weird now. I made it weird. <laughs> We've been in your company with Adam Cole things i half.: had.
0: <laughs> ah. Never mind.
1: What are you
0: going? Dave could get married and Adam Cole would come by and jag Dave's wife and Dave would make him a cup of tea afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Oh. Yes, you are wrong.
2: <laughs>
1: no, I wouldn't make a cup of tea, give him a beer or
0: something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well
1: done, yeah. Well done. <laughs> right, away from our go. Uh we have uh, opened this up with a couple of pre- couple of pretty good matches. Now we're gonna take it down a notch. Or not chess, it's fair to say going back a number of years. We're going back to 1998 in WCW. We're going back to Halloween Havoc of that particular year from the 25th of October of that particular year. A match which many people would have billed as one of the biggest rematches of all time. A rematch from Wrestlemania 6. Yeah, Wrestlemania 6. It was... Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, I say at this particular point, taking on the ultimate warrior. What could go wrong? Yes, this is my choice. I thought it was best to say my choice on this particular, on this particular card. The rest of the guys all pick bangers. And I thought, no, need to have an absolute duff match in here. And this is one here. Uh, Scott. I know when we were talking in our group chat beforehand, you were like, "I left this match as late as possible to watch."
0: I I put it off just in general. I'd never watched this match. I I knew about the, the most famous fuck up of this match. I knew that yeah, that's, I people, I that's
1: the reason I picked it.
0: <laughs> and you know, I left it as late as possible in the when I was going to the match, and I thought, no, "Don't watch it last. Save one of the other picks." to the end sandwich this shit in between so you can watch one of the other picks and remember what good wrestling is and you know i watched the and i looked at the length of it this is a third of the length of of my match that we're going to talk about in a little bit and yet this somehow felt like twice as long as the match i picked because it's so boring i hate you so much Stephen, for making me watch this Hogan, by this point, is Hollywood Hogan is like a pantomime villain. And fucking, each fucking DC wouldn't even touch a combat character like fucking Warrior at this stage. He was so shit. And fuck you. I
1: mean, uh, me and Dave are watching it. I think at one point he was like, this match is so, not bad. I think I was like two minutes in.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, in all fairness, it did start off okay because, you know, it's if you've got two big megastars going at it, you don't expect them to come straight out of the bat, you know, going like it's sprint pace. You tend to have a bit more of a, a slow burner, kind of like what we saw, like, actually quite a lot of big name matches usually have a bit of a slow burner and then they really pick up the pace towards the end. But so, I mean, if you're if you were watching this for the first time, you might seem a little bit optimistic about it, but then it all goes downhill very, very badly. Um, I'm not even... I can't even remember what point exactly it actually went downhill. Was it because of the the point where Hogan effectively burned his tash off? Or was it... Uh,
1: I don't think I don't it was know. going very well up until that point.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's when they went to the outside. I think that's kind of where it went downhill a little bit. And, you know, the, and then the interferences at the end, the botched fireball spot. It's... It was... Um, it it it's yeah it, 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 i can't even speak it's so difficult to explain it was um yeah apparently um was warrior not injured going into this match as well after fall brawl
1: to put it in, uh, to put it into perspective kind that this match kind of summarizes how big of a fuck up it was bringing ultimate warrior into w c w they paid a lot of money to get him in he came in... He pretty much had a full creative control of what he did, you know. hmm Started his own version of the NWO called One Warrior Nation, you know, which was him. You know, and just it was NWO bagels. He... He wanted to have a trapdoor under the ring. And the trapdoor was that much of a fuck-up. It nearly fucking paralysed Davey Ball, Boy Smith at Fallbrook. I think it was Davey Boy Smith that got injured with it. To just... The thing that really summarises before this match even starts how bad it was, his debut promo. right? The first promo he does, he does 27 minutes. His promo was meant to be seven. <laughs> He's meant to come out and do a five-minute promo and he was there for half an hour. Could you imagine Warrior doing a freaking half-hour promo?
2: <sighs> I mean, I he rambles in most of them anyway.
0: I, I think when you actually watch Beck his run, I think he gets a big pop in his first run, but I think by week three everybody realises just how shite his promos are and things begin to sour and they've not even got to the match they've they've brought him in for. And I remember Eric Bischoff and his podcast was talking about the Warriors debut and he was asked by like, does uh, at what point did you regret paying all this money to bring Warrior in and, and Bischoff's response was about halfway through his debut promo. Because <laughs> he
1: was a bit of That's can't really be saying. Like, he's like... For people who, watch, who grew up watching wrestling in the 80s and the early 90s, he's a, he's a hero to a lot of people because he had that much energy. It was at that point we could get away with not being a very good wrestler. Because he wasn't a good wrestler. His f- finisher was a splash. And not even one off the top rope. Not even big titty splash that Walter does. Uh.
0: <laughs> I mean, can I just say, he, he goes for the splash. He gets about two inches off the ground before he jumps. Ho- Hogan moves out the way, and Warrior Cells landing on his face. The same way the RVD sells hitting the five star frog splash.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. Also, there was no mention of this being a no disqualification match either, because Hogan was using his his weight belt as a weapon, and obviously he tried to use a fireball too. But you, yeah, well, was, less said about that, better.
1: It wasn't a no DQ match; it was just a normal singles match.
2: Yeah, and yet they they were hitting each other with the with the belt. They nearly blew up their face at one point and it took a referee's distraction via the Giant. And who else was there that came out? Horace Hogan. Horace Hogan, that's him, yeah. Yes, uh, and- this is what you do. you big...
1: This big blow-off. You bring out Horace Hogan who got attacked by the NWO in the night
2: <laughs> before this. Nick Patrick was just getting beat up by... He was just he hit, was hit by Hogan hit at least a couple of times. He
1: deserves everything he gets. He was that fucking arsehole ref.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we know he was the arsehole ref of the NWO, but at least just let him referee the match. You don't need to... or actually, I'm not even really sure you can call this a match given how, how it happened. I mean, Warrior getting pinned off one, one chair shot as well, it just makes them look really, really lazy. And I think I remember I said to you, Stevie, that this effectively was just... This was this match was sold on name value alone. They didn't have to put in any effort when it when the time actually came. Because, you know, Hogan had a bit of a rep as well for being a bit of a bit of a politician in WCW as well. So when you've got two big egos like that trying to play creative control with their own booking, you just know that nothing's gonna nothing good's gonna come out of it and they'll both make look at each other much, much worse off. And it was evident, uh, you know, at least maybe by about the five minute mark. That was it and it was it just felt like the last 10 minutes just dragged on horrendously interferences didn't really do much but we were both laughing at the the failed fireball spot as well because it i, I don't know what they were the thinking fireball
1: spot is literally what our uh, is why i picked it it's just i yeah. always remember it so vividly and it's like i don't even, what the why is he, what's he even doing I don't. I've never, <laughs> lit a fire, I've never lit a fireball myself, so I can't say if it's hard or not. But what's his face? Uh, James Mitchell could do it like a bloomin' nothing, like a magic trick. Like, he was he was he's great at it when he's in DNA. But Hogan's just like, I mean, of all the things, you know, what's even the need for a fireball? It's not even part of his gimmick.
0: mm. Somewhere back stage, Jericho was taking notes. Like, hmm, maybe in twenty years, when I want to pretend I'm a wizard or something, I'll. Try and learn how to do a fireball, but ah,
1: uh, Chris definitely
0: gonna make a weak circle. You <laughs> talk about like when did this match go on? For me, I think it went really downhill after they did the ref bump because <laughs> then he did. T- I couldn't take Nick Patrick seriously because someone once pointed out to me how much he looks like Kenny Powers from the show Eastbound and Down. And when he takes that that clothesline bump, and then Hogan just for shits and giggles decides to drop a, a knee on him for some reason. Let's face it, the NWOB team basically come out to fuck up, trying to attack Warrior. The Giant comes down, who's going to be gone from the company in three months. And he he has a look on his face like he's counting down the days before he gets the fuck out of there. And then think from there, it went downhill. But one spot I enjoyed from this match was when Warrior got to use the weight belt because Bobby Heenan, whose heel face always hated Hogan and when Warriors whipping Hogan with the bell Heenan goes he's given him what his mother should have given him a long time ago
1: I mean, the, the, the WCW Commons team at this point is actually really good uh, Bobby Heenan Mike today and you know that fresh face from AEW <laughs> Tony Tony Shaboni he's still going still going strong uh, see see if he said to somebody right right who's, like, not as... i never watched this, but knows wrestling history, you see. We have a closing stretch of Scott Hall versus Kevin Nash, Bret Hart versus Sting, Hogan versus Warrior rematch from Mania, and Goldberg versus DDP. Be like That's, that's, that's pretty good. And then you tell them, right, only one of those matches got a higher rating than Kidman versus Disco Inferno. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's 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 like what? It's, what even you
0: know I Would not even mention the fact that you talk about DDP core at this match. It only went like forty minutes, but somehow it still managed to overrun, which is why the partly why the pay per view cuts out and then yeah. they need way the the main event for free on Nitro, which should serve as the last time they'd ever beat Raw in the ratings.
1: Yeah, I remember that actually that completely. Effected up, you know, out and just cut off. You know, I mean, people keep joking like, ah, AEW's going to keep making the mistakes that WCW make. It's like, well, I've not cut off a pay per view. That's when you know things are going bad. Mm-hmm. No, but yeah, it's a. I think. Can he compare it with the Mania match the two of them had? And I think with the Mania match, a lot of it is down the crowd and the build to it, you know, the whole title versus title thing. No, oh, one error versus the other error. And you sometimes just can't recreate magic, you
0: know. Nah. I think the crowd were very forgiving in some as well. Like, they were very willing to go along with certain things. I think even those few were still with it. By the time the fireball spot came, like you could hear a pin drop in there and then had everybody just went, like, nah.
2: i <laughs> there's just some matches where you can catch lightning in a bottle and the Mania 6 clash between these two is one of those instances but when you try and recreate it you're just going to you're just going to taint it for for eternity and it's this match has now got that rep of it's so bad that you actually have to go back and watch how bad it is and that's the rep that this match has gathered
1: did nothing for Horace Hogan's career
2: Oh, definitely not. All
1: yeah.
2: of Yeah, look what happened to Big Show as well. He, he went on to have a pretty, pretty decent career, at least.
0: <laughs> can, we, can we talk about the fact they threatened to set the Warrior on fire post match? <laughs> like they started dousing him in lighter flew and everything. Like, if anything, I don't think the officials needed to chase them off. If you saw Hogan's attempts with the with the firebar, I think Warrior was pretty safe. <laughs> yeah, the trap, they had the trap door
1: under the ring as well. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> just crawl under that, you know. Oh god. It's an example why you just can't give certain people creative control. And the warrior just The Warrior did so many fucking stupid things. I remember when he had the bombing. Can you just remember the thing he had with Jake the Snake? When he was feuding the Undertaker.
0: Was well, it like the black goo or something like that?
1: Ah uh, the black goo. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much of that was fully him based on a lot of the
0: stuff that went on in that's kind of i got to think I couldn't bite him maybe I think this is pretty much him when he's worse in terms of what he thinks this warrior character should be like, another thing Bishop said like, I went to his house Bishop said like for two hours he talked non-stop about all this stuff about the warrior character being a superhero I said, and by the time I got home I had like, three messages three more messages from the warrior whose house i just left
1: He's, a, he's he's one guy that not, not a lot of people in bed a kind understand. I mean, people probably just
2: remember him from that kind of
1: when he went in the Hall of Fame. But my God, it's just it's not worth thinking of this great. But yeah, I think it's I think when you have two two really good matches, you need to kind of balance it. You know, people always say like you need a piss break match, <laughs> you know, to kind yeah. give the crowd something. This is your example. I mean You think they must have obviously thought Sutton's not going, Sutton's not going to be too right with this one because we're not going to put one of the biggest rematches in wrestling history as a main event. It's like, yeah, these two, these two have fucked up. (laughs) They Fucking (laughs) built this team, you know? They bloody, they thought what's the best thing we can do to help make this warrior gimmick? Let's have them convert the British the barber beefcake, (coughs) right, right the was the Barbecue Beefgate hadn't been relevant since like 1989 or something <laughs> it's 1998 <laughs> Virgil came out as well at one point I'm sure did he not? Yeah, yeah he did,
0: did yeah yeah other than the giant the other two were Virgil and Stevie Ray who tried to get involved and it does mean you look back on the two linux when the NWO was split into the black and white and the Wolfpack I think the wolf pack got all the good members
1: oh they 100% did I think you go for me was it you got
0: Steiner as well. Steiner was in this
1: one as well.
0: Um, Paul and Steiner are the two best and I think the black and white because, like, Wolfpack's got Nash, Luger, Stein, Cohen. Actually, one point. Mm-hmm. Aye, they've
1: got, they had Blum and Bagwell. Oh, they had Horace Hogan. Scott
0: Norton. Right. I think Kurt, actually Kurt Henning Kurt was in the black and white
1: yeah Kurt Henning was well past that at this point
0: oh so. uh, yeah you know, but
1: yeah if you want a match to put your children off of watching wrestling if you don't like wrestling yourself we recommend Hogan vs Worry <laughs> if however you are a parent and your kids not currently into wrestling and you'd like to get them into wrestling we would maybe recommend the final match on our first wrestling mixtape. It was chosen by Scott McLeod, and as he mentioned, it's three times the length of Hogan, Warrior, but three times is good. Before actually just quickly going back, the Hogan match, negative five stars from The Observer. Negative five stars. But, five stars is Scott's match. It's from the one and only NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff from August 2019. A big day in wrestling because it was the same day as the first ever All Out show. It's the main event in that particular match. Tyler Bates versus Walter slash Goodford for the NXT UK Championship. Scott, why did you pick a match that lasted as long as a half a football? <laughs>
0: Well, I was reckon Remains, I was the last person to put in a match for this. I couldn't think what to, because I know we're going to be doing this regularly, but I'm trying to think what can I do for the first one, you know. Should I put in a Kane match? Should I put in a match with Viscera? Should I put in a match that features both Kane and Viscera? I thought, no, much like Day with Adam Cole, save it for a future instalment. What
1: are so, the matches from ECW? <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> all in good time, all in good time. So, I think, and then well, at the time Cardiff was coming up and Gunther was the Intercontinental Champion. And I thought, oh, well, it'll be nice because, you know, given where he is in the card now. And what's funny is that well, not long after I made this pick, it was announced that NXT UK was, was ending and Tyler B was winning that match with Braun Break that they had the other night to kind of unify the NXT and NXT UK Champions. So, I think out of all the matches, this has kind of now become the one. You know, most kind of thing of like the, the time that we were recording this in. So, to funny, I kind of look back on XT UK with kind of one era with the British strong style ending after this match and kind of going and running roughshod over XT UK for the next couple of years and Walter be getting his mammoth you kind know, of title reign. Also, I think it's like, I think it's the idea that this is a long match, but it doesn't really ever feel that long. The crowd are hot throughout, it's for Tyler Bate. It's very loud. Walter is a wanker. Chance <laughs> for most of he's in full-on heel mode during this match, and you know, it's just amazing how far he's come from list to now. Gunther and now he's the Intercontinental Champion. Had a he had another banger in Cardiff, uh, which you two were at. But you know, I remember all of us being like you, me, us three, Alan, Strike. I believe all watching HD. You know, UK Cardiff and uh, Alan's house and we were all thrilled that we were just gripped for the entire like 40 odd minutes and it's the fact that this you know it feels like it's right right for a comeback for Tyler right before he wins the bit nope close line one two three the match is over and so suddenly but in a way kind of so satisfying uh, I think this is, when we watched this back that was the first uh, time I'd ever watched it since that first night actually watching it
1: live which was great I always remember there was a banger, but It was always the length that maybe put me off. But, Dave, yeah, I don't think it feels. It's not. Doesn't. It, it feels like it's a long. It's a slog. A good, good slog. Not like a. Oh, fuck! I, I need to watch,
2: Aaliyah wrestle in the mm-hmm. elimination chamber slog. Um, yeah, so, no, it's um. It's a the, reason, the, the reason this match was so good is, I think, for a number of reasons. I think the pacing of the match itself was very well done you know there were some really fast-paced moments you know from uh, running the ropes to you know quick counters and then when it looked like you know things were going a bit too fast they slow the pace down do some rest holds headlocks that kind of thing gets the crowd up and running again the crowd's interaction as well you know because it was like a small intimate crowd as opposed to you know a massive stadium like principality it was you could hear what the crowd were chanting and you could hear that, you know, they were playing a factor in this. And I think the last reason is there were a handful of memorable spots in and throughout which sort of built in with the story. You know, it was a proper, proper David versus Goliath type match here because size wise, Tyler was just vastly out, outsized here. But he held his own so well against a man who was literally almost twice his size.
1: Yeah, height and width-wise at this particular point. Yeah,
2: he was about hundred. I think Walter was about
0: hundred pounds heavier than Tyler as well. Hmm. He was a beast. And we we talk about matches like on the same card as the matches that we've chosen, and you look at this card. I even though I was at the first Blackpool takeover, I still think this card of card is the best of the three takeovers that NXT UK ever did because you also had. Uh, Andrews and Webster versus Young Vets and Gallus. you had Keely Ravey, Tony Storm, you had Off versus Cesaro, like, just overall a hell of a card, and we, we, we mentioned Meltzer in literally every match, so why not mention him again, because as mentioned on the recent quiz Showdown about matches in the UK, this broke the Meltzer scale, I think it's got like five and a half stars.
2: Five and a quarter, I Five and a, a Yeah, five and a quarter.
0: I think it was like a case of like Especially in the NXT brands, more five-star matches were cropping up for Meltzer for WWE, but I think this was the first time it ever like broken the five-star scale. Yeah. Actually, no, it was actually the second time in WWE in that year. In
1: of, second time in the space of three months, because of, they did it in June with
0: Gargali and then this so which was again a bizarre thing to see because everyone was becoming a joke even then oh, oh six stars in the two on you know, this is in japan this match we got five and a half six stars but now WWE matches matches under the w umbrella we're getting five and a half stars and like it's allowed are you watching vince mcmahon channel? and now it's funny that triple h is in charge and taylor Bate just may may have entered a show which saw the end of that title and gunther is now on the main roster leading Imperium again as the Intercontinental Champion.
1: Good to see him leading Imperium at uh, Clash. You know, guys we'll talk about it more later in, the, in our next uh, recording that goes live on the, on the feed on the, this week's ESSR Central. There'll be a lot more about uh, Clash on that particular one and obviously the match that they mentioned between Tyler Bate and Brom Breaker. But, yeah, this was... I... I I think about to Walter. I'll call him Walter. Yeah. Acknowledge he was you, we do now acknowledge he was used to be called Walter. We're allowed to say
2: that. Walter uh, is his actual name, so you might as well.
1: Yeah, no, but he was once called Big Daddy Walter. Nobody calls him that. So
0: <laughs> acknowledge <laughs> I was say, your, like, Acknowledge your daddy. <laughs> like, love what you, said. you can call him that because he's his real name. Like, Hogan's real name is Terry, but we weren't calling him Terry when we were talking about the match we were you. Yeah,
1: exactly deserves to be called Terry after that bumming shit show but yeah it was kind of like I wasn't fully sold on I knew he'd done some great matches this, his time I wasn't fully sold on him then his match we'd done was pretty good but it wasn't amazing but this was the first proper amazing gun for him because you could do it on the indies because he'd done, he'd done it everywhere you know he had a banger with PCO at one point for God's sake I mentioned it today uh, but in the WWE Umbrella to do something like this. Well, it's probably, but you got to obviously give credit to Tyler Bate, because You forget just how young Tyler Bates still is. A lot of people still say to me, like, "I, I see a no, not to me. I see a tweet something said that like, Tyler Bates was younger than Bron Breaker." It's like you wouldn't actually think he was younger because he's been about for so long.
0: Actually, I think they actually revealed. I think he's actually a year older. I think they they said that world's claimed.
2: Yeah, Worlds Collide, they showed their ages on the, the sort of tail of the tape graphics. Turns out Braun's actually younger than Tyler. sure? Yeah. Yep.
0: Tyler's 25, Braun's 24. Yeah, I know Braun's been born with the face of a man who's a 35-year-old man, but, but I'm not sure a, he'll grow There's not a lot of difference between them then. I think. I
2: that's, think Ameri- that's Americans for you, they just look older than they actually are.
1: Yeah. Some somebody looks like him. What's his face? Oh. I can't remember his
0: name. But Necro Butcher, he looks like he's probably seventy. He's like thirty-five. <laughs> I think there's a lot of that in-, in wrestling, like Earthquake, and his big run in the WWF in the early nineties. He was like twenty-six years old, but had a full-on beard and a receding hairline.
1: Right, right, that's what I saw it. Is, Sonic. That's what I saw it. Is, Sonic. That's, there's not a big age difference between the two of them, was the thing I'd seen. But obviously, you'd have thought that Tyler Bate, because of how long Tyler Bate had been about. I mean, 25? It was six years since he first won the UK title. I mean, he would have been still, was it, 21? Probably. Yeah. Well?
2: So, he would have been 21, yeah.
1: Which is mental. Absolutely mental. That he was still he was a pillar of this brand having these sort of matches and he got battered he got absolutely <laughs> but he still kept coming back and hitting big moves big moves the bop and bang in this match is really well done as well
2: he took an apron bump as well didn't he it was like a half Nelson suplex
1: he took a half he took a, sl- a kind of sleeper suplex that, he, well, that kind of thing uh, mm. he got power bombed on the edge of the ring as well kind of sum up to what happened to him um, a couple of months before, I download. Yeah, it happened to Trent
2: to download as well.
1: It don't have to Tyler as well.
0: Yeah, I think it happened to,
2: to both of them. Alright.
1: Yeah, because I'm sure Tyler was out for a wee bit. I'm sure it put Tyler out and then he kind of came back to set up this match.
2: Which was. Bit- yeah, I-, I recall Nigel McGuinness saying, like, you know, he just could not believe, you know, Tyler was still going after all that punishment he took. And he was saying that. Standing. Yeah, forty-two minutes in, and he's like, "This is a match that people are going to be talking about for decades." And if you wanted to say, like, "Look at a a British wrestling match," put this on. It's because it just hit all all the right notes. And even bait you know, despite the amount of punishment he took, he was delivering exploder suplexes to a near three hundred pound man. And let's not forget, I think one of the best spots was the the burning hammer from the corner like that, I think is to do that to somebody like Walter, who's a pretty, pretty huge guy, you know, he's like the size of Samoa Joe, I reckon. And then it's like one of us trying to pick him up and do a, a move to him. It's, it's mind blowing to show how much strength Tyler actually has. And he basically reiterated why he's the, the big strong boy as it were. And the crowd reminded him of that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think uh, Trent Seven was doing the Burning Hammer around that time, so I think it was kind of an homage to him. And you seen it at one point there in the corner, and Tyler does like the Pete Dunn finger like, snap as well. We can kind of have homages to his, his fellow British Strong style uh, stablemates. And I think it was the whole thing that like, he's like the big Strong, boy. I think you could tell that they were built into the eventual pop when he like, tries to snap, no, he can't do it, or he tries to get a bit of Walter fights so there. I think it was a case of. Perfectly built to the point where Tyler would have that like Hogan Andre in kind a of moment where he'd be able to like slam the big guy.
1: <clears throat> One thing, Scott, you mentioned that I've always noticed with a lot of what a lot of older matches is um it sometimes ends really suddenly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it looks like it's perfectly set up for a comeback, as you say, and it's just like bang, done. You know, it's like And that's kinda you kinda like to see that in a match that's so long because you sometimes think, right, you've been resting, you've been get battered for half an hour. There's no way you can just no sell a big move. But it's just like up, bang, down, done. Great.
0: Yes. Especially when you've been like wrestling for that long. A guy, like you said, has 100 pounds on him, drives his arm into your chest, drives the window you with all his force. Like, I think it's believable that you're going to stay there. And I think it was a that he finished Seamus himself with it. At the Castle, so there was kind of some symmetry between this match and his match with Sheamus, I thought.
1: Obviously, got the the lads were out there. The no shoe army came out at the end, you know. No, no, no shoe. I keep saying that. No socks. No soccer. <laughs> I said that when I was I said that when I was watching it back as well today. I was like, here come the no shoe guys. Like, oh, no
0: socks. <laughs>
1: no socks. <soccer. laughs> um, Scott obviously did a load to the card that surrounded this particular show. Kaylee Ray beating Tony Storm just before it was a, p- a big surprise at time. So that was something. Joe Coffey versus Dave Mastiff. You know, uh, oh, yeah. The NXT UK tag title match was actually a very, very good match. Uh, if I remember rightly, the big hometown win for Morgan and Andrews. Cesaro dragging off. I think that kind of got made pretty much on the, on the day off, which was good. And Noam Dar facing another guy who will not be fondly remembered in the history books I'm sure that was a pre-show match
0: no no it was on the Garden that was the opener yeah I think I think Noam Dar did like a an homage to Lionheart as well in that match because it was not long after Lionheart had passed
1: that was, good. that was good it's a shame that nobody's going to ever rewatch that match it's just a shame Lionheart tribute but it's quite nice you know but yeah an absolute cracker to kind of end on this note now Here's one for you guys to kind of finish off the show. We've to talked to about all four matches. I know we don't watch tapes anymore, but because just I'm gonna use the analogy. <laughs> you have to have all four of these matches on a tape. You have to have your least favourite on first and your favourite on last. So essentially go one, two, three, four. How would you do it? Uh Scott, I will go to you. Where would you go?
0: Okay, we're starting with Hogan and Warrior. If with with uh, then I think I don't not saying that is that I hate saying it like one of my least favourite, but I think there's a toss up between these two, so I'm gonna say after Warrior Hogan we go uh Lorkin and Birch versus Undisputed Era You know, something more fast paced to uh, wake you back up after you've almost fell asleep watching Hogan Warrior in a more story-driven match with B and, and uh, Walter. But I think, because I've watched it so many times, the end, my favourite probably is the Triple Threat from Unbreakable. Yeah.
2: Uh, Dave, what would you go? I'd start with Hogan Warrior, obviously. Then I would actually put the, the Unbreakable Triple Threat next. Uh-huh. Because if you're putting it on a tape and you're watching each one uh, in that order... I like, I like the idea of the peaks and troughs approach when it comes to watching a match card. So obviously Hogan and Warrior, you basically get shot on at the start and then you're picked straight back up with the biggest climb you could ask for with the unbreakable triple threat. Then you're brought back down to earth slightly a little bit just to sort of calm your beans with the, the tag team match, Undisputed Era versus Larkin and Birch, And I'd actually finish with Walter Tyler Bate because I remember watching that back... And I thought, this was 10 times better than, than dare I say it, it's 10 times better than I think it deserved to be. Like, both these guys just delivered a perfect match from start to finish. Crowd involvement was rife. And you know what UK fans are like um, at live events and shows and stuff. Like, they're always invested in the match, and they, they just add a new dynamic to it. So that's my made event with Walter Tyler Bate
1: I know I kind of said I said you go worst to lot to best, but I'm not going to do that. I just, I just I like how you guys have said the structure the tape better, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, I would start with the Unbreakable Four Way because I think it's just an absolute banger and it would get you really pumped to watch the rest of them. Then you can't put Hogan and Warrior on too late in it because you would just be you would just want to chuck the tape out <laughs> you just don't really want that so i then go Hogan Warrior and then then I would do the tag match and I would finish with Bait Walter I would say yeah I'll go with that I do I, I need to do it yeah you need to do the. I, I, I think maybe it's maybe risky going Warrior putting the Warrior one on first because then you maybe, maybe think is there going to be more shit ones in here? <laughs> <laughs> So it's like yeah good one and then you're kind of like right cool down one I can go. I, you can watch the good one and then you can go for the shite or something like that and not have to pause the tape
0: <laughs> so somebody who's new wrestling puts your version of the tape and Stephen goes watches the first match goes well, wow, wrestling wrestling's great and then thing match happens. oh not always <laughs> you have to but a dose of reality always helps you know
1: you can't just uh, yeah yeah, people need to know that there was a grim three-year period of WCW.
0: <laughs> Nobody really cares about reality. That's why we watch wrestling. <laughs> we watch these grown men bat each other in their pants to forget about reality.
1: I mean, if you talk about putting the Hogan Warrior thing into a tape, I mean, you could do the four matches of WCW's downfall. You could do Hogan, Sting, Hogan Warrior, Hogan Jarrett, and Vampiro Sting.
2: <laughs> Human Torch match. Got- Not um. Billy Kidman Disco Inferno.
1: I've never actually watched that match between Billy Kidman and Disco Inferno. I just know it's Disco Inferno's involved. Can't
0: do that good.
2: Uh, yeah, Hogan Jarrett wasn't even a match. It was a it was, it was more like an angle than anything. Do
0: you want to I talk make about matches?
1: My, I might future another hurt one. In a future one I might just pick out a Jarrett match that denoise Scott. <laughs> oh.
0: I mean in the future I might pick a Jarrett match because I have one Jarrett match that I actually like. And it's not even a TNA one. Uh, I mean, there's a Jarrett
1: match. I really like and It might actually
0: be the same one. So, I don't know. Is that where the next one's going to suddenly be? You just going to say, "Oh, it's the best of Jarrett."
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, we could pick his match. We could pick him versus him and what's his? Him and Jay Lethal versus Andrade and Ric Flair.
0: Because <laughs> every match, every edition of the wrestling next team needs something. Akin to Hogan and Warrior, is that what you're saying? <laughs>
1: yeah, why not? You know. that's interesting. So, the four matches in this, in this first edition of this, we've got uh, Tyler Bate versus Walter or Gunter. We've got Undisputed Era versus Lorcan and Much. We've got Styles versus Joe versus Daniels, and we've got Hogan versus Warrior Pooh. What would be on you? What What's your thoughts on this wrestling mixtape? How would you order it? You know. What matches would you like to tape over? You know, what ones aren't going to make it onto the dodgy USB stick? Please, let us know on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Retweet. if this is your first time listening to it because you're a fan of this type of show. Hit the subscribe button. There's so much content on the platform. As I mentioned earlier on, ESSR Central's our news show, which we do every week or so. It's usually hosted by Scott's brother, Ross. But he's still fecked off the turkey, isn't he? So you'll be hosting this week's
0: Yes, it's a little he will be joining me again and uh, you know, all things scheduling is permitting, Chris Anthony Lopez will be with us as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be there to give a first account review of Clash at the Castle.
0: Okay. And we'll round it off, round off by calling C.M. punga cunt. <laughs> <Gizzy. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. I can't remember uh, that. He's already, he's already yeah, put I, this can't, I
1: question can't remember well, if, Chris, so. if Chris went to Ireland. I'm not sure if it went. Oh, it was in this local area, so I'm not 100% sure if he was there.
0: I mean, he lives in Chicago. You could just open a window, you could probably hear him.
1: You could hear C. F. Pugs rant, you know. You know, the next... The, uh, the, we've also got Saturday Draft Live, where you can ask any of our uh, panellists, have they ever done improv? Most of them will say no, because they're not funny.
0: <laughs> uh, still?
1: uh I believe it is... Who's hosting this week, lads? Who's on that?
0: I think it's uh, Jack and, and Ryan.
1: Definitely not it done any improv, eh, <laughs> Definitely not a comedy act. But yeah, that's obviously our weekly uh, draft show, so you can find out about that one. Uh, I mentioned it to some people in Cardiff, and they like the sound of it. So the Listeners League may grow next season, usually will be pleased to hear.
0: Not. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only reason you secretly went to Cardiff, isn't
1: it? I did some good PR I tried to do some PR for the podcast I tried to say how good things were Dave was more interested in taking pictures with title belts
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, But again
2: hey, you know, I might not get another chance So you might as well <laughs>
1: Tell you what, it's a damn shame that John Isherwood Couldn't have been on this week's ESSR uh, Central I've never seen a man look like he's having so much fun in my life He looked like he was having a great time
2: mm, Yeah, I agree like he was buzzing the whole the whole day.
1: So yeah, this week's Central will be all mostly about the reviews of next the, the big shows. The week after Central, we'll have we want a full review of Ross jumping off the boat in Turkey.
0: <laughs>
1: Nothing else. Just want to hear about jump off the boat. But yeah, I digress. You know, uh, and of course, feature shows usually every week. Hopefully, we start getting back into doing them all weekly. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we've got some debut shows. Actually, we've got the first ever. It's still real to me where we look back on either like a wrestling documentary episode or a wrestling book or such something like that, which could be interesting. See Punk in any documentaries? Could be quite topical.
0: He's got his uh, Best in the World documentary, I think it mm-hmm. came out around the time he was midway through, he's, he's the very, like, record setting title run.
1: That's a lot of interesting stuff coming out about that. Uh, and we've also got the bookets coming back onto the audio version, which is good. And we've got a debating chamber coming up, which is good. So please keep an eye out for us, yes, as our feature, some great shows coming up in the next few weeks. But from the guys here, on the first ever wrestling mixtape, I'd like to thank uh, Scott. Thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you very much.
1: And to Dave, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yep. I've been Steve Wilson, and we will see
2: you next time. Ta da!